Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Chapter 3 of Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer. Read by me... Magenta, and also with little bits by Bernard. Hello, Bernard here. There he is. So this chapter is called Something Fishy Going On. Ahem. Fazir, as a very small child, had loved animals. He desperately wanted a pet and constantly harangued his family about it, irritating his parents and boring his older brother Ali with his constant harping. Sadly, his parents refused to consider it, and so little Fazir would head out into the desert scrub that surrounded his house, looking for a creature he could take home and secretly take care of. But it was a barren place to look for life, and Fazir's hopes slowly waned. Being of a positive, happy disposition, he chose to abandon the desert scrub, and instead looked forward to the annual family holiday in the vaguely more verdant Oman, as surely then he would have the opportunity to interact with the natural world. The holiday finally came, and eight-year-old Fazir spent much of his time paddling in the clear blue shallows of the Arabian Sea. One day, to his delight, he spotted a curious-looking fish floating just under the surface of the water, about ten meters hence from where he was standing. Fazir ran back to the beach, grabbed his net and specimen jar, and eagerly waded back out to capture the funny little fellow. He'd barely gone any distance at all when the fish began to move towards him, perhaps pulled by a current, perhaps to make Fizzy's acquaintance. Fizzy wasn't scared. The fish was roughly the length and breadth of his forearm, and the casual way in which it moved certainly suggested it wasn't predatory. What sort of fish would it turn out to be, Fazir wondered eagerly, net poised. A friend fish, that's what. Within seconds it had floated right up to him and was even nudging at his skinny chest. Fazir peered at it in fascination, but he couldn't make out where its mouth was, or eyes, or fins. It was a strange, formless fish. In fact, it looked a lot like a huge turd. Fazir shrieked and tried to back away, the current still gently batting the giant turd into his chest. Bits of it were starting to break off as a result of the repeated nudging, worsened only by the panic splashing of little Fazir's arms as he frantically backpedalled. In no time at all, the stunning azure of the water surrounding Fazir became murky and bitty, which was most unfortunate considering the boy's frantic splashing caused him to lose his footing and submerge briefly beneath the surface, mouth still gaping in horror. <sighs> Fazir later reflected that the creature had probably been the creation of one of the nearby fishermen. A fisherman with a hearty appetite and a high-fibre diet. A fisherman who unwittingly started a pattern for little Fazir, so that many years later, Fazir would still be searching for exotica to possess, but only finding turds. Bernard, you, you're uh, going to have to play Fazir. Oh, yes. Now, we did find a voice for Fazir, didn't I we? I think just... Evil posh. Was he incredibly posh, wasn't he? Yes. Back when he was just evil. Now he's multi-dimensional. Oh, very clever. Yes. Okay. Useless. Why do you continue to torment me? The now grown Fazir smashed the femur of St. Andrew onto his desk, the ancient artifact instantly exploding in a dusty puff. 
What's some old bone going to do for me, eh? Shall I use it to make stock? Is that why you bring me this? You maybe want me to fix you a hearty soup? Soup, soup, soup. Bounced off the walls of the warehouse, not literally, and a loaded hush fell over the small group as the last of the echoes faded away. Fazir leant his hairy knuckles on the desk and closed his eyes, either composing himself or silently working himself into an even greater rage. Probably the latter. The boss hadn't been the same since the incident the year before. Nobody knew all the details, but his personal bodyguard, Steve, from Croydon, who maybe wasn't as discreet as he should be, but he was new to the job, so he's just trying to make friends, had told the others that he'd heard Fazir thrashing around at night, screeching fragments of words and phrases, plagued by nightmares. I'll do Steve, shall I? Oh, yes, go on. Oh, he's from Croydon. He's from Croydon. Something really bad must have happened to him. Something to do with a printer. Steve had gossiped, inaccurately, in the staff kitchen. He shouts out ink cartridge colours in his sleep. Well, just one, really. Magenta! Magenta! Over and over again. Chilling it is. Fazir opened his eyes and looked up from the desk, coldly surveying his crew of relic hunters, security guards, esoterica specialists and pastry chefs. The chefs held silver platters loaded with confections, while the others clutched a napkin and a little plate on which sat a baked good. None of them were currently eating. They'd wait until Fazir had calmed down a bit. New staff members were always surprised by the pastries at first, but Fazir was running a business, and he found that the carrot cake could be used in conjunction with the stick. And there was no arguing with the results. He had a loyal, hard-working staff, and employees rarely left Fazir's service apart from in a body bag, or several smaller bags, or as a fine exploded mist. Fazir didn't enjoy violence, but sometimes it was necessary if shoe buttons weren't doing the trick. Violence had only been added to Fazir's repertoire as he grew and inherited the empire that his late father and equally late brother had left him. Whereas Fazir had learnt the importance of free food many years earlier, when as a young teen he'd befriended a desert fox using cans of stolen dog food, over several weeks, he'd gained the beautiful creature's trust, and eventually it would even eat straight from his hands, golden eyes looking straight into his as it chewed. Fazir had named her Sodiuk, which was Arabic for friend. Might have mispronounced that. The food had facilitated a bond, eventually broken by an unfortunate incident involving a car backfiring. The fox had panicked and bit off one of Fazir's fingers. She'd run off as Fazir rolled in the dirt in agony, and he'd never seen her again. But anyway, the lesson still stood. Food is a remarkable tool for inspiring trust and loyalty, if only under certain circumstances. There is no point. Fazir rumbled, looking his employees in the eye as he spoke. One after the other, that is. There were nine of them, so he couldn't look them all in the eye simultaneously. He'd need 18 eyes, wouldn't he? Come on now. There is no point. He repeated, for those who had lost track of what he was saying. Bringing me things just because they're very old and of historical or religious significance. I'm not setting up a crap damn museum. The crew were used to his fruity curses. Fazir wouldn't blaspheme anymore. Not since the incident with the angel the year before. In fact, he now adhered to every world religion that existed. Apart from Scientology, he had limits. Though obviously he picked the bits he liked from each one and ignored a few thou shalt nots so that his business didn't suffer. But he was pretty sure he was well covered in terms of heavenly insurance. Look at this useless shit. 
Vizier continued, gesturing at an array of ancient artifacts from every major civilization. A sacrificial Mayan dagger, a Byzantium talk. There was even a humble wooden chalice, signed Harrison Ford. None of them contain a single speck of power. None. You are like stupid cats dropping dead mice at my feet and hoping I will be pleased. I am not. Fazir came round from behind the desk and approached his crew. He thumped a meaty paw heavily onto the shoulder of a small, bespectacled man, his v-neck jumper heavy with sweat from the sweltering heat. Your methods are not working, Doctor. Fazir rumbled softly, his deep voice carrying easily across the space. Your research is not proving effective. Do you know how much it cost for my relic hunters to retrieve that bloody sheep's bone I just destroyed? Do you want to be also the aging nerd? Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'd say about... Quavered the aging nerd. Rhetorical question! Fazir bellowed. It cost a lot. It took time and money. Stealing from the Vatican is harder and more expensive than Tom Cruise would have you think. So what do we do next, Doctor? Are we going to keep repeating the same mistakes again and again? The Doctor blinked at Fazir with pleading eyes and full pants. Several loaded moments passed. That wasn't a rhetorical question! Fazir bellowed helpfully. Oh, right. Stammered the doctor. Uh, yes, uh, no, 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 we will, we will not repeat our mistakes. Uh, we will change our methodology so that uh, we get better results. He finished lamely. Having intimidated the doctor sufficiently, Fazir strode to his primary esoterica specialist, a dusty-looking woman with hennaed hair and the damp lisp of a TV historian. Her name was Elspeth. She also had a PhD and could therefore have also called herself the Doctor, but they couldn't have two the Doctors in the same team. That'd be confusing. Although Elspeth couldn't help but think that it was a bit bloody typical that a man would jump in and reserve the title for himself. God, the criminal supernatural underworld could be so sexist. You suggest something. Vizier demanded. Do you want to be the, be the second Doctor? Oh, I see. We've exhausted our current sources. More lispy. She uh, lisped confidently, sweat beading her moustache. Ah. So we have to move on. If the grimoires aren't supplying us with the information we need regarding objects of power, we will explore different avenues. Like what? Vizier snarled. You are all speaking in generalities. Give me something to work with, you useless bunch of pissy pants. Elspeth didn't even flinch. She'd been to an all-girls school. It took more than explosive rage to unnerve her. Perhaps it's time we went straight to the experts. She said coolly. Don't I pay you shower of mangy dog shits to be the experts? Fazir spat, glaring round at his crew. Indeed, but sometimes one must outsource. Sprayed the woman. The Doctor and I can unravel ancient texts. We can turn arcane knowledge into a set of practical instructions. We can use them as maps to uncover lost relics. But the grimoires we are working from were written by mere humans. Fallible, limited humanity. If the knowledge contained within the grimoires is flawed, then our work will fail before it even begins. She paused. Eyes twinkling. Fazir felt a surge of hope. Elspeth always knew what to do. She continued. There is another way, however. We could look to higher beings. Ghosts, angels, sprites, demons, the creatures of the night. Badgers. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's Steve, isn't it? Yes, go oh. on, do Steve. 
Badgers, contributed Steve. Dare of the night. Elspeth ignored the interruption. But it's a rare skill, communicating with spirits beyond the veil. You can't learn it. The Doctor and I do not possess that ability. We need someone with natural talent. Fazir concluded calmly, a thoughtful cast to his face. Owls, added Steve. Woodland shrews. I will start investigating persons of interest, Elspeth said smoothly. Fazir grabbed the eclair off Elspeth's plate. No, don't bother. A name already springs to mind, he muttered, tearing into the pastry with gleaming teeth. Oh, it's the end of the chapter. That yes. was a good one, wasn't it? It was. Lots of nice voices to do. Yes, yes, well done, Bernard. I can tell I'm going to be rather busy. I think my writing is improving as well. Oh, well, I I don't know. I think your, your writing has always been excellent. Well, that's true. All right. Uh, th- this time next week for the next installment of Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer. Goodbye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. You wake up startled in the middle of the night, convinced that there's something out there in the darkness. Your brain tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of, that the inhuman shape in the corner of your room is just your laundry piled on a chair. But as you hear the ghostly, ragged breathing that doesn't belong to you, you realize your brain is dead wrong. If you love the mix of horror, mystery, and comedy in shows like Buffy, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, or Supernatural, you'll feel right at home on The Crit Show, a Monster of the Week actual play podcast where the players, playing as themselves, are tasked with being the last line of defense from the forces of evil that go bump in the night. Join us every Wednesday and learn the games we play while the gang tries their best to solve the mysteries, hunt the monsters, and protect the innocent. Their intentions are good, their dice rolls, not so much. You can find The Crit Show at thecritshowpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.